This episode of Paranormal Heart is brought to you by Nodakian Studios. If you're looking for a fine piece of stoneware pottery, check out Nodakian Studios at nodakianstudios.com, as well as on Facebook, where she periodically gives away pieces of pottery. Again, check out Nodakian Studios at nodakianstudios.com. Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward. Hey everyone, welcome back to Paranormal Heart. I'm your host, Kat Ward. You can find new episodes on the second and last Sunday of each month on Podbean, YouTube, and any place you find fine podcasts. If you had paranormal encounters you'd like to share, you can either be a guest on the show, or you can submit them in writing, and I'll be happy to narrate your story. Just drop me an email at paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. Folks, I have to apologize for not having any episodes in July. Uh, first, we had a much-needed family vacation to our home province, and it was a first-time home for me in 11 years. Much, much needed. And then I was having major tech issues, and I was beginning to think I had to get a new laptop, but that was not the case. Everything's good to go now. So I am back, baby! You can't keep this cat down for long. For episode 63, my special guest is Lisa O'Hara. She's a most brave lady who has survived many E.T. abductions. It took her many years for her to put the puzzles together and to realize what had been happening to her. She wrote a book called Abducted and Furious, How I Fought Back and How You Can Too, A True Story. And it was in hopes of helping others who may have had not only E.T. abductions, but abductions similar to hers. And she wanted to share how she fought back. I introduce to you Lisa O'Hara. Hello, Lisa. Welcome to Paranormal Heart. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you being on here. And again, like I mentioned earlier, my apologies for taking so long to get back to you. Uh, But we finally did it. No problem at all. I'm just glad to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks. I think this will help a lot of people um, who listen to the show if they've had um, experiences similar to yours. Um, I think it'll help them a great deal. First of all, I wanted to mention in your book, Abducted and Furious, I loved in the foreword, I have to mention this first, the part where you said sleeping personality asleep, I love that. I automatically thought everybody has a, shows a different personality with everybody, like, you know, with your family, with certain friends, with your employers or whatever, and I just kind of thought of that, that certain personalities might go to sleep depending on who you're with, but um, I know you had a different context, but that's just what I what I thought about. Um, so I I really like that part. And all I'm glad of the you te- read the forward. I usually don't in other books, but now that I've written one, I've started reading them. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I always have to read the forward. You get a lot of information there too. Yes, I realize that now. Yeah. <laughs> information that's actually not in the book. It's just like the, the, the author's thoughts, which I didn't know before. Yeah. So that yeah. was cool. So why don't you tell us about your experience and uh, talk about the book a bit and we'll take it from there. All right. Um, so when I was younger, I would have very unusual experiences, but they would just be one-time uh, things. Um, so I would just, I, I wouldn't know what to call them. Um, when I was 10 years old, I had a um, reoccurring daydream that happened only at night, over and over, like seven days in a row at night. And then on the end of that seven days, it came true. Um, but I didn't know what to call that, so I remembered it, but I just didn't know what that meant. Uh, I just thought it was strange. Um, and so the same thing that happened, that kind of thing happened, I would see, now I think of it, it might be orbs, but I would see flat things. I used to, I'm, when I was eight years old, I got glasses. And so I don't know how long I really couldn't see very well. And so I would see these orbs flying around in my room and land on my bed. And I, at the time I thought they were flat, flat glowing circles. And so I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know what these are. But part of me, maybe the, a part that was a, is asleep, <laughs> yeah. you know, knew what it was and started screaming, oh no, oh no. Um, so, you know, a lot of these things happened. Um, I had to, when I was 16, I started having that daydream again that I was going to move to a foreign country and I didn't want to because I moved all the time as a kid um, and so the um, I would get you know I started getting that daydream that I'm gonna move I'm gonna move and at first I thought I was I was causing it um, but then I realized that it's just gonna happen it's inevitable so I did I moved to a foreign country and spent my senior year in another country mm -hmm. um, and then fast forward um, when I was married uh, before a second time, the first time, um, I would have night terrors. Now, um, I didn't understand what those were, but I would wake up screaming anytime my husband came into the bedroom from going to the bathroom or whatever, and then I would only remember a triangle, no, sorry, not a rectangle, mm -hmm. uh, a black rectangle, and um, I couldn't understand what that meant, and you know, just these things. Um, that happened pretty regularly. Um, I got a divorce and then I started sleepwalking. So these things are just really strange. They're just one-offs. I keep keep them in my mind so that I can think about them later. And um, at around um, in 2017, I thought I might be a medium. Um, so I went to a medium and she also said, yes, you're a medium. So I started working with her trying to figure out how to turn off my gift and turn it back on and I also um, then was doing a lot of meditation and found out that I was an abductee uh, from my spirit guides. Um, that sort of started me on on a different course and I moved quickly from there to trying to find a way to fight it because I was not very happy finding that out. I was scared, I was petrified actually and um, and then eventually I wrote a book about it. Wow, that's, I haven't heard, I've heard of a lot of abductees, but I haven't heard of very many that were uh, terrified, oh, well, terrified, yes, but as angry as you, you were at the time. Um, yeah, the, the book was just, uh, I, I really enjoyed the book, and it really gave some 
insight on how abductees feel. Like, I don't think I've ever been abducted or anything like that. I've only seen weird lights in the sky. I don't think I've ever seen, um, if I have, I've really mentally blocked it and it's deep in there, but I, I don't think I have. But I mean, to me, you're very brave to write the book as well, because you know that that's going to help other people because other people will realize that they're not alone and maybe they'll open up a little bit and not just shut, you know, shut down. So kudos right. to you for writing the book. Well, thank you. It's uh, hard to write a book like this because, you know, there's so much uh, ridicule uh, mm -hmm. that comes from, you know, society. Yeah. And um, it's, I hope that I can help people because I think one of the worst parts about being an abductee is that you can't find any help. Mm -hmm. You can't find anyone to talk to. You may scour the web looking for things uh, that will help you, but there's just not a lot out there. Mm -hmm. And I tried everything that a lot of people said was helpful, but I found that it didn't help me at all. And I figured that if it didn't help me, then it probably is not helping others. Yeah. And why should we have to live with this? I mean, it's against our will, and it's not uh, something we... And they erase our memories, so, you know... It just seemed so unfair, and that's why I was so mad. Because I thought, how dare they? You also mentioned in Chapter 3 about abduction contracts. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, well, I was going to the medium for a while to learn how to be a medium, but then when I realized I didn't want, it didn't feel right to me, I went to, I still went to her. She was saying that I had abduction contracts that I had agreed to prior to coming to the Earth. And uh, my uh, medium, we tried everything. We tried uh, changing Akashic records. We tried um, stating my sovereignty, my right to free will, uh, demanding the archangels help me. Um, I tried um, just everything I can think of, everything she could think of, but it never worked. It didn't help at all. Wow. What, how did you feel when you realized that that wasn't helping? Did you feel hopeless, hopelessness? Um, I did it at some points, but I just thought, you know what, there has to be an answer to this, and um, I'm going to find it. <laughs> oh, good for I mean, you. I'm not going to leave any stone unturned. I'm just going to try everything and just have low expectations mm -hmm. and see what happens, because you never know what, what you're going to find, uh, either in a, in a book that somebody else wrote that helped them, mm -hmm. or, you know, something you find on the web. I mean, I just tried everything. Actually, my... Um, my medium had me reading out a manifesto, I called it that, um, because it was just, you know, something I would say every night about, you know, my free will and my sovereignty, and I demand that I not go anywhere and that kind of thing. So um, I was willing to try it because that's how you learn, right? Mm -hmm. Did it work? No. How long should I do this before I realize it doesn't work anymore? So I really worked on that quite a lot, um, and I did, it didn't work for me. So if it doesn't work for you either, so you should try it, <laughs> because you never know, yeah. uh, then maybe my book will help you. You know, we all know about the fight or flight, and obviously you have the fight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because you, what, what didn't work, you were uh, determined to find something that would work. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. so that's good. That's... And you know, I think it's important to, you know, not lose hope and not get so um, beat down by the situation mm -hmm. because um, you can turn it around and turn the tables and so that's what I felt like I was uh, doing um, I just started studying them and um, 
and I started using my mind for whatever they were doing, you know, and trying to figure out what was really happening prior to abduction, what happened after abduction, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As a way of figuring out where to go from here. You know, if this doesn't work, drop it, try another thing, and uh, also do some data. Mm-hmm. Did you keep any kind of a journal to see um, if there was any patterns of when and where you would be abducted? Absolutely, yes, I did. I had a journal, and um, I started noticing things that I probably, you know, you think that you notice things, but then when you start to really notice things, you notice more things. Um, So I would write everything down in my book, uh, in my notebook, and I also wrote down my dreams, and I got some colored pencils so that I could color the things that I saw. Hmm. And I also watched for patterns. So if I had, you know, a plane going over my house or a helicopter, on the sixth and seventh of the month I would write that down so that way I could notice it and so yeah I I did write a whole bunch of data down that I don't know that was that important but when you're initially doing things you have no idea what's important and what isn't and so I just wrote everything down and it was very very helpful and um, and uh, so I so that I had clues because the thing is is that people think that they don't know what what to look for but you do there are clues before you go to sleep. There are clues with your clothes. I found that my clothes smelled um, on the nights that I was taken or left. And um, but you know, at first you just have logical explanations. Well, this clo- these clothes smell because I didn't use enough laundry detergent, or the cat boxes made it smell, or mm-hmm. you know any number of things. But after a while, you could say, "Wow, I'm really I'm going somewhere. I'm leaving my house." Mm-hmm. I'm wearing these clothes, and um, so it's just that kind of thing where you just sort of notice your own situation. What's really happening to you? Mm-hmm. I think too what uh, the mind does when you're going through something like that is you're trying to find a, a logical explanation. Uh, you might not deep down inside believe, uh, but in order to keep yourself sane, pretty much you're trying to come up with a logical explanation that makes you know makes sense to you. Absolutely. That's yeah. true. Yeah. And so, you know, you, but then you eliminate it. You're like, okay, it's not this. Um, okay, it's not that I didn't use enough laundry detergent. It's something else. And then you just keep going with it. And actually, this is the way I did everything was uh, like I did with the clothes, was I just said, okay, it's not this. This doesn't work. Keep mm-hmm. going. You know, uncover this. Did you notice any similarities like, uh, uh, certain times of of the night or um, weather patterns or anything like that. Did you notice anything like that? I didn't, um, but you know, since everything happens at night, I mean, it makes mm-hmm. it uh, difficult to yeah. determine that. I mean, I tried to see if it was a full moon, you know, <laughs> when mm-hmm. these things happened, um, but I found that I just didn't know. It seemed like a lot of times I had um, what I would hear were um, like helicopters or planes flying close to my roof, but um, when I would go outside during the day, I would find I couldn't find anything. It was as if, as if it was just something going over my house that I heard, but was it real? You know, like, was it the sound of the, the true the true sound of the true vehicle? Mm-hmm. Um, so there were just things like that, which I couldn't explain, and I still can't, but, um, you know, I would just try to notice all of these things and investigate them. And then also, because we're 
us can be fearful about what we're seeing, I would try to calm myself and um, just, you know, investigate it, maybe try to touch it, you know, try to uh, look at it with an open mind. One brave lady, I'm telling you, because I'm sure there's... <laughs> many people out there who don't want to find out they, they might think they do but then they'll just kind of give up because it's it's too frightening for them so yeah this is amazing yeah it is frightening but i think for me i just really wanted to know the truth and i didn't want to um let fear stand in my way i just really wanted to know and so that's why i went through all the things i went through is i just really needed to know the truth you mentioned also about ETs, abductions, and military abductions. Now, did you mean uh, military ETs or our own or both? I think both because a lot of times when I saw military, they seemed to be ETs and they would wear, sometimes they would wear insignias and like uh, dark green or dark, dark brown clothing. Um, but I also saw a lot of people because it seems like I'm some sort of science experiment where they're using me to uh, do things to me and that people are involved. So it led me to believe that it was possibly a military abduction as opposed to just ET. Maybe it started out as ET and then eventually became military only. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm not really sure. I mean, it's hard to just, you know, figure out when you're asleep and your memory's wiped. Yeah. You can't figure out what really happened to you. You can see what you could see in your own mind, but uh, you know, there's distortions, and so I don't know if it was the military just placing something in my mind. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure, but um, it seemed that way. And also from a book I read called My Labs, um, it sounded like they were doing something to me and making me eat something. Uh, you know, so I would find plaque on my teeth. Uh, and uh, the d night after, I wear a night guard because I grind my teeth, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I also. Uh, brush my teeth before sleep So when I woke up with plaque, I thought what the heck what is happening to me? Why do I have plaque on my teeth? Mm -hmm. You know, that's another clue. What does it mean? You got to try to figure that out um, So I just I was just trying to you know read everything I could to make sense of my situation When I read that part for me that was a first of hearing about an abductee talking about plaque on their teeth and I just wonder if others have the same experience, but they just don't, they, they didn't put the, the dots together, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so like I said, that was the first time I'd heard about it when I read it. That was, so do you think if, if it is, if the, our own military is involved, do you feel perhaps maybe they know you're being abducted by the aliens and the, the mil our, our military is studying you to find out why they're studying you or do you have any thoughts yeah. on that i don't know it seems well i mean i think that's a good point and i probably should look at that a little closer but in the because it was so uh, it felt everything felt extremely negative and it didn't feel like i had a choice or that um you know it was just some some agenda they had so yeah i, I agree with you i do think that could be a possibility but at the same time um it seemed like there was i was having a lot of wounds and a lot of um bruises that indicate indicated to me that there was something else going on i mean that's just my opinion because mm -hmm. it seems like they were taking me after abduction 
and then I would get all these bruises, you know, and I don't know where when I got the bruises because you would think that the ETs would have a lot more better sophisticated technology to move me out of the house and not give me bruises, whereas the clunky, you know, military yeah. might use their old-fashioned stuff. And so, you know, there were a lot of times when I had um, syringe marks on my body, and I wouldn't think that the ET would use that, but yet I would have these marks, and hmm. so I didn't go to sleep with them, so maybe it was the humans, you know, military humans doing that. So, you know, like I said, there's just so many questions, and so I try to answer as many as I can while I'm, but, you know, trying to figure out what could this possibly be, you know? So I, I think it was negative, and I, I felt it was negative when I would look back and I would see things. I would see, you know, people holding me down. I would be in a military, um, like a military hospital, like under the water. And stuff like that. So I don't hmm. think that that is them studying me as much as torturing me. Wow. That's my opinion. Um, having just met you, and I see that you're a fighter, and reading the book and, you know, how you're, you're, you started to fight back, maybe when you were being abducted by either ETs, military, or whatever, you were probably fighting back. That's Absolutely. probably where some of them... with you. <laughs> <laughs> you gave them a run for their money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're probably like, oh, no, not again. She's fighting. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, let's put her, knock her out quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to use this as an example, but it's the only way that I can get the, the, the wording out. And, and watch, have you ever watched Star Trek Next Generation? Yes. There was an episode where some of the... Um, crew were being abducted by aliens and they didn't rip they didn't remember I don't know if you remember that episode certain things uh, one of the characters went for a haircut and realized that the scissors resembled something that was used in um, you know studying them or certain tables or just certain things or didn't make sense that they would trigger a fear um, and then once they started putting two and two together and started talking then they realized okay no we're actually being abducted um, did you ever have anything like that, little glimpses, before you realized what was going on? No, I didn't, and if I had, I don't, I think I wouldn't have recognized them. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, um, I feel like I'm pretty knowledgeable about my memories and that kind of thing when I think back, you know, there's some of them are gone, but <clears throat> I don't remember anything like that. But. I have had extremely vivid dreams in my past, and mm -hmm. so I wonder now, you know, what if these dreams were associated with something like that? Um, and I have a lot of, prof I had a lot of prophetic dreams, or they would be like non-usable. Like for instance, um, you know, let's say there's a strangler out out there, and um, I have a dream that there's a woman and a man and a car. I'm looking at the windshield. I'm looking through the windshield. And uh, then the woman laughs, and then she starts screaming. Hmm. And so then I'm like, I don't know, I can't use this because I don't know where that is. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. I don't know. I mean, is that really me? Am I being choked? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Or it could also be that your mind is trying to make sense of what you've experienced, and it's giving you imagery for you to be able to understand right. it better. 
I agree, and actually, um, all my life, I've uh, realized that the dreams, to me, don't mean the things, the, the symbols or whatever, um, the symbol, symbolism. Mm-hmm. So you're right, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, I usually had the dream of being in a class and not signing up for it and that kind of thing, uh, or not remembering that I was supposed to drop it or whatever, and so I, um, that was, to me, that equaled stress. And so that's one of the things that I really focused on was I by reading communion by Whitley Strieber I realized that there's something called a screen memory and I thought that the ETs were placing these screen memories inside of me but I realized it's my own mind placing those because it's trying to protect me from um, trauma so it doesn't want to show me exactly what I happened to me so it gives me the feeling of stress and so and for years, I didn't know why I would have those, you know. Um, but now, with the abduction, it kind of made sense that my mind was trying to tell me, you were stressed last night. Mm-hmm. You need to look at this. And so um, that's how I first started. When I read uh, Whitley Strieber's book about the screen memory, it suddenly hit me in the back of the head is that that's what it is. It's a screen yeah. memory. And I could look behind it. I could look behind what was actually happening to me at that moment as opposed to the screen memory. So that was very, very helpful to me, and that's how I really started going forward to figure out what was happening. Hmm. I think uh, understanding psychology at a very small level probably helps an individual get past any trauma. Yeah, I think so too. I think that just um, acknowledging that trauma happened is yeah. really important, and um, and so, and that shows a way of acceptance because you know you can get through anything as long as you can acknowledge it I believe mm-hmm. yeah there's um, I can't remember exactly how it's worded but yeah admitting there's a problem I can't remember word per word but in, like you said admitting that there's a problem enables you to be able to move forward right 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 and that's what I Actually, that's one of the reasons why I was reading all those books was because I couldn't fathom what was happening to me. And I didn't have the ideas or thoughts or um, mental imagery to understand the situation. Mm -hmm. And so the more people's books I read were, I would just find these little nuggets in there uh, about what it possibly could be. You know what I mean? So, uh, and that really did help me out quite a bit. Actually, Whitley Strieber's book was excellent. I've read it. Uh, I probably read it a couple of years ago, and then I read it again, and it really hit me because now it applied to me. Mm. Before, it didn't apply to me. But now that it applied to me, I could just search it for, read it with the mind of what could I use out of this that would help me. Mm-hmm. If you're okay with it, are you able to walk us through what and an evening of being abducted was light for you? Sure. Um, well, you would have the normal, you know, getting to be- going to bed things, and then you would go to bed, and then you would feel like a negativity in the room. Actually, that's how I figured out what was happening, is I would feel an extreme negativity. And <clears throat> now, um, I found that I had done a lot, lot, I couldn't feel it until I had done quite a bit of meditation. And it was as if I really needed to raise my vibration enough to sense this thing happening. Um, like as if I, they were somehow able to tamp down my, either my frequency or my vibration level so that I couldn't sense them. 
Um, but after I did a lot of meditation, I could feel it. I could feel the negativity. And there, everybody has, you know, their different skills of being, a, if they're an empath or whatever. But when you feel the negative energy, you know there's something negative there. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's what happened. And I started realizing, and I was, uh, at, one, at one point I was talking to my spirit guide. And I said, oh my gosh, what's that negative feeling in the room? I'd finally gotten to the point where I could sense it. And he said, oh, that's the ETs, they've come to get you. And um, I was really upset about that, and then I fell asleep. So that's one one of the clues, is that um, what happens to you prior to you falling asleep. So once I started realizing that there were negative beings in my room prior to my sleep uh, that I couldn't see, I could only feel them, um, I really got scared. Um, because before, I had, prior to that, I had felt very safe. You know, my doors were locked, my alarm was on, you know, and, um, you know, I was going to wake up the next day and, you know, do my regular life. But to uh, re- recognize that something's going to happen to you that you don't know that it's happening, and um, you have dreams but are really screen memories created by your mind to protect you, mm-hmm. then it changes the game a little <laughs> I would say, and uh, I would I would just feel really scared. Now, um, initially, I was just petrified, and I told my husband about it, and he you know said, oh, that's not true, you know, and that made me feel better. And then afterwards, I just tried to catch them in the act. Um, one of the things I did was I got a nanny cam, I got one of these uh, frames that's sort of like a nanny cam that, yeah. you know, turns on the camera, it was motion detected, and I would turn that on. And then the next day, it was off. It wasn't off and it wasn't on, it was in between. And so things like that would happen and I I finally gave up on that. I would move around my bedroom or move to another part of the house and try to stay up all night, but I'm not 20 anymore, I can't do that, (laughs) right? I hear you. Uh, I can't stay up all night and be okay the next day. So I just tried a lot of things, but it's really scary. I mean, you're laying in bed, you feel like a sitting duck you can hear all these noises. Um, you can hear, you know, cracking, and it sounds like somebody landed on your roof, or somebody's above your your bed, or you know, all kinds of. Or you see a lot of things, maybe colors, um, mm-hmm. you know, shapes. Um, and then also, a couple of times I saw praying mantises next to my bed. Um, and, and I so don't, I don't really think you me. mean you're talking about the little praying mantises. I think you're talking about uh, the ET praying mantises, right? <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah, I am. And that's what I was wow. so uh, upset about was because I was expecting a gray, but it wasn't. Uh, the one that was next to my bed, two of them that I saw at different times, were pr- large, very large praying mantis, like seven feet tall, pretty big. Wow. And uh, one was trying to get me to go on her ship because I had cut my leg earlier in the week or that day where I'd cut my uh, leg on a sharp piece of plastic and it started, suddenly started throbbing while I was laying there. It had, was fine before. And so what happened was um, all of a sudden I saw the praying mantis telling me, you need to come to my ship, please come to my ship. And she was giving me this feeling of motherliness and comfort and you know the feeling of safety and I just really since I had gone through with my with my uh, medium about breaking the contracts and here they are asking me to get on the ship it's like no way I'm not doing that 
Um, uh, she tried to convince me, and I feel like it's a manipulation now. Because at the time, you were s- sitting there trying to figure out what the heck is going on. A praying mm-hmm. mantis is next to your bed. They're talking to you and through your, in your mind, and you're just fast. I was fascinated. I wasn't frozen with fear. I just could not believe that's what was going on. And so she was saying, you know, please let me take you to the ship, and... I'll, um, you know, we'll fix your leg, and uh, and so then I said, well, no, I don't think so. I don't think I can agree. <clears throat> and then, oh no, well, if the bad guys get you, can we take you then? It's like, oh, okay, but you know, it was just so, you know, surreal. Um, but the next day, my leg did not hurt at all, and. <laughs> So I know I was taken, I know there was something, and I know now that I had an implant. I must have damaged it when I cut my leg and it mm. called me. So that was a very strange experience. I can't help think about when uh, scientists tag animals in the wild to uh, study them and if their their tracking devices are damaged or whatever and they try to capture them to figure, I can't help but thinking that the same thing. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a real possibility, hmm. and it's very uh, disconcerting. I mean, hmm. it's bad enough, you know, that animals have it, even if it's yeah. for their own good. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, and they knock them out, too. Yeah. So you're right. It's very similar. So, yeah, yeah but it's very disconcerting because uh, you didn't realize that you were in this position. <laughs> when she was speaking to you, was it verbally or empathically? It was telepathically. Yeah. So I could hear it in my mind, and of course, I don't know where her lips were. It was dark, <laughs> so, um, and it felt female. So that's, that's somebody else in another interview asked me, why did you think it was female? And it's, I don't know, it just felt like it, mm-hmm. you know? So, and I've seen others that are seem to be male. So, you know, just by their body language, how mm-hmm. they walk and that kind of thing. Um, so, but that's just my impression of it. I mean, it could be that, I don't know, I guess there are female uh, praying mantises and male praying mantises, but um, that one felt female and felt good, you know, but obviously, I don't know if that was good or not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it stopped hurting, but at the same time, I had no idea I had something in my leg that would start throbbing and calling someone mm-hmm. to come fix it. <laughs> The um, praying mantises, were they, if you could describe them a little bit, were they clothed? Uh, did they stand upright like uh, bipedal, or do you remember? Yeah, the two that I remember, the one was uh, the female one, was standing up on two legs, and um, it was dark in my room, but, uh, you know, you know, with all the little things that glow in the dark, you know. Clogs or whatever, sort of yeah. Yeah, or if it's yep. a full moon or yep. whatever. And so, um, you know, it just seemed to be a greenish um, praying mantis. And she was just standing by my bed talking to me. And um, the second one was, seemed like he was wearing something over his, over his body, like a long coat, mm-hmm. and walked right up to me. And um, actually, I was laying on the bed, and he hit me with something like a tuning fork hmm. or a spoon. And it really hurt. He hit me on my lady parts. Oh, and then I fell asleep. <laughs> oh, gee. oh, he pointed at me, and then I fell asleep. So, wow. you know, that one seemed male, and I don't know if it's because the way he walked into the room or whatever. But mm-hmm. that's basically mostly what I've seen, and I've also seen a lot of spiders. 
Oh, no. Now, interestingly, <laughs> I am not afraid of spiders at all. I really like spiders. I don't. Um, <clears throat> but uh, anytime I looked into my own mind to see what was happening behind the screen memory, I would see a lot of spiders, tons of spiders and tons of people. And uh, some of the people were like shapeshifters. Um, they seemed to switch back and forth between like a reptilian to a person. And, um, and they seemed to have giant spiders as pets. You know, as their pet. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> oh. Now you do get desensitized when you look at this um, over and over. After a while, you're just like, okay, I saw the spiders. Tell me what happened. You know what I mean? Because you, you know, you see it so often. Well, if that's what your experience is. I'm kind of glad that you said the spiders are kind of like the pets, and they're not like the praying mantises that they were doing, you know, trying to talk oh no. <laughs> Just, no oh maybe it was like their pet dog or something yeah exactly like yeah. the giant spider is their the reptilians pets <laughs> oh good grief no that that gives me the hibby-jibbies <laughs> <laughs> um you mentioned also in the book that some evenings you were being abducted multiple times you must have been exhausted the next day you know, it's interesting now. I, I, I do agree with you. There were times when I was really tired, but there were other times where I felt like I'd been gone for like asleep for two days and then I would come back and I would feel pretty rested. Hmm. So at the same I don't know if they actually, you know, have a different time frame than we That's do. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Um so when I would be taken a lot of times I would just wake up and I would feel like I'd been asleep for a long time. Um, there would be other times when yeah, I'd wake up tired, so I think it might be different groups or different things that have to do with, uh, that I don't know anything about. Um, I'm why I would feel tired, and maybe it was whether I fought with them a lot. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. More tired. Maybe Swinging, that was or maybe you took a couple of them out. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I could have kicked a couple of greys or whatever. Um, or cut, you know, cut somebody and grabbed one of the scalpels. Yeah, I kind of hope you did. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, actually I was on another show where a MUFON investigator was talking about them and he was saying, you know what, uh, what we've learned is that the people that fight the most get knocked out first because what will <sighs> happen sense. is I'll be laying in bed and I'll feel a little pinch on my arm mm -hmm. and it's not like a pinch, it's sort of like a mosquito bite where you mm -hmm. can feel the mosquito and um, then I'm gone. Hmm. Um, the other times I'll be mid-thought gone. You know, so I'll wow. be thinking and bang, gone. So um, he was saying that I was probably one of the troublesome ones. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I think he's right about that. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it just it, it makes sense because the, some of the scientists who are monitoring various species of animals here on Earth, the more aggressive ones, they're going to obviously knock them out so they don't get hurt or the animal right. doesn't hurt themselves. So it kind of makes sense that yeah, yeah. you're a fighter and they're like, yeah, we don't want to get hit again. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. We don't want uh, the little greys to be not, have their arm torn off. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Do you know how many different species you might have encountered? And what they were? Um, you mentioned the praying mantis and the greys. Yeah, I've, I think I've seen the greys, the praying mantis, I've seen spiders, I've seen beetles and people. Mm -hmm and uh, different kinds of spiders. So like giant 
black hairy spiders and uh, white spiders with no hair. And um, so I think that I might have been grabbed by the Draco. So I don't, I, I know there's reptilian and there's Draco, mm -hmm. and I'm not really sure what they look like. The ones that I uh, encountered look more like alligators. So I don't know which group that belongs to, but uh, a few. And it fe felt like they were, yeah, experimenting on me and allowing other species or other groups to experiment on me. So, hmm. and I don't know why. I wish I did know why, because it's really weird. I mean, I can't imagine why they would want me. I know they took, uh, I think they took my eggs and, um, and I don't know what they would do with them. But uh, when I lived in California, um, which is where I most recent lived, uh, besides here, I would find that people would tell me probably four times a month, probably when, once I was 25 up to when I left almost 50, they would tell me, oh, you look just like somebody they know. Mm -hmm. And I and so I wondered, are there clones of me, you know, floating mm -hmm. around only in California? Um, because that never happens here. Hmm. Now that I moved to Arizona, that never happens. And it just sort of makes you wonder. I mean, it's just one of those weird situations where you don't know why people, all these people look like you. Mm -hmm. And then also <laughs> you, you wonder about your eggs. What happened to your eggs? Mm -hmm. um, I don't have children and I didn't have the ticking clock. And I wondered... At the time, I felt completely normal, but now I wonder, oh my gosh, is that why they wanted me for my eggs? Um, I did have um, a dream or a screen memory about being shown my baby and just ask them asking me what, they, what I thought or how I felt. And um, I told them that I didn't want to tell them because, or I wouldn't tell it, I don't feel anything, I think I said, but I wouldn't tell you anyway because if I did, you'd use it against me. Yeah. And I really believe that the um, ETs use our emotions against us for emotional blackmail. That's my thought. Mm -hmm. It could be a weakness of ours and it could be a strength. Um, you know. Yes, I agree. Yeah. But if they're saying, if you don't hold still, I'm going to kill your child, you know, that's a way of controlling us. Exactly, so, yeah. Um, yeah, and actually my book, uh, they were threatening me. They were saying, we're going to kill your husband, Bob. You know, we're going to kill him. And it's like, okay, go ahead. That's his journey. Because, you know, I'm not going to allow anyone to hold that over my head. That's his journey, you know. But I'm not going to, and I told him too, if they say we're going to kill Lisa, say, okay, don't argue with them. Because mm -hmm. they're just using it as a means of control. Mm -hmm. And I've never had them kill him yet. He's still alive. So, I really think it's just an empty threat, but it works with most people, mm -hmm. and so that's why they use it. Wow. I can't imagine how some people would react, you know, um, some of the tortures that they would go through because they've let their emotions, um, I don't want to say betray them, but I guess it is a betrayal because sometimes you just can't hide your emotions. Right, And right. they would hold that against them, yeah. Yeah, and I think that is really, really evil and really horrible mm -hmm. because um, it's taking like one of the best things about being human is our empathetic nature, uh, our emotions and our way to feel, our way around in the world, and then use it against us mm -hmm. and, um, and do it in such a way that we have no choice, I mean, but to comply with their orders, you know? I agree, yeah. Do you feel that any of the ETs you've encountered, there'd be one species that would be 
um, didn't mean any harm. They just wanted to study. And some of them would be like, no, they're evil. Or, or do you chalk them all up as, no, they're all bad? Um, I'm going to say that I do believe some have met, um, you know, the contactees apparently have met ETs that are good. But, um, you know, I really wonder, though, because they all erase our memories. Um, and instead of fixing us, let's say we have, you know, we meet a good alien and we ask for um, some healing and they don't give it to us. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I don't know. I think some of it is propaganda like we're mm -hmm. here to help you we're gonna we're, but we're waiting for you to help our yourselves first it's sort of like you know we could help you but we don't we have a reason but we're not going to tell you what it is and <laughs> we're still going to erase your memory so i actually really think that um some people feel that they're good but i feel like they have an agenda they're not telling us what it is and um, and it's sort of like a manipulation for us to feel like no, they're we're being, they're doing this for altruism. They're trying to they're using our emotions against us again, right? They're saying no, we really need your help because we're we have a dying planet or whatever. Uh, so we need your help, and that's using our emotions against us again. Mm -hmm. So I actually feel that a lot of them are negative, and but they use our emotions to get away with their actions and so you know when people buy into their altruistic um, explanation then they're kind of enabling them mm -hmm. to continue using us in a negative way but they feel good about it well that's good but I don't <laughs> feel that way yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like I need to expose them for who they really are so that everyone else can actually see or at least look at them differently, you know, mm -hmm. and not accept their explanations, not take, the, take them at face value, say, well, what about this? What about that? You know, make them accountable. So that's my feeling on it. Yeah. At first I thought, well, you know, maybe these um, contactees have a point, but I just don't see them getting in us, us any help. Mm -hmm. You know, if this is really happening to us and, um, you know, if we really needed help and they won't help us, why are they not helping us? Why maybe are they continuing to, you know, wipe our memory? Maybe they have certain rules or guidelines they have to follow. I don't, what they are, I don't know. But You know, yeah. I mean, I think if, you know, a lot of people say, no, this is my spirit guide. He's my friend. He's helping me. Um, how much are they helping you? I mean, you know, is he giving mm -hmm. you really good information, but that it doesn't really help you? I mean, I don't know. Mm. I just feel like a lot of people need to ask a lot more questions and uh, hold them accountable to their actions. Mm -hmm. Getting back to the um, eggs uh, being taken and, and whatnot, uh, I remember listening on a few other shows and reading as well that... Um, for the greys example because that's what they they had said apparently the greys now obviously i don't know for sure apparently the greys have um cloned themselves so often that they need human dna to kind of try and bring them back so that they can um uh not have to um clone themselves again that they can just do it naturally um and that's why they they keep you know, taking up, taking people off our planet. So I, I don't know if, to me, a small part of me thinks that perhaps if they came to Earth and just said, "Hey, we need your help," um, 
it would be free. I, th I think, oh yeah, the world would definitely change, but right. why sneak around um, other than not to uh, cause too much of a ruckus, Not uh, you know, because there'd be so many people that would be terrified and, and obviously try to capture them and study them as well. So right. maybe that's why they do it, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I think if they did do that, that, you know, there would be people that would volunteer to help them, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, but, and also <clears throat> the other argument is, you know, if they are here and they had a deal with Roosevelt or whoever, mm -hmm. um, how long do you have to do this? I mean, you should have enough DNA now. So that's <laughs> right? why I think their whole story is kind of shaky because, you know, it's, it shouldn't be continuing, you know, and at you know ad nauseum it should be over now you know mm -hmm. you should have enough so that's why i think that that's just a convenient excuse <laughs> it could be too that maybe their science isn't there yet so they keep trying and over and over again i, I don't know it could be but if they're uh, a if they're us because i've heard that they're us and they're uh, yeah you know trying to go backwards or whatever mm -hmm. um you know why wouldn't they be technologically advanced you know what i mean mm -hmm. so it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, the whole no. thing doesn't make sense. No. No, that's for sure. Um, can you describe any ships or anything like that, either from looking at them from the outside or being inside them? What are any other shapes? Um, actually, I really can't. Um, when I was trying to look uh, at one of the rectangles from my, um, when I was in 28, I did see like a that a gray held my hand and walked out with me through a um, like a transparent wall hmm. but I don't then I black out I can't see anymore so that's all I can see is that when I left um, and so I have but I have seen um, like this one it's not a gray actually it's some sort of um, glowing blue a transparent glowing blue um, being that was really tall I was in their ship and all I remember is that there was um, like these big giant wall uh, walls, but they were actually transparent. They looked like windows, and the you know how now um, I guess on the windshields of some cars because I've had to rent a car, there'll be like a number of your of your the speed. It'll be right mm -hmm. in the windshield. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's how similar it was. Or one of those tablets that are square and they're clear. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's how they controlled their ship, like putting their hands on the windows. Um, so I don't know who that was. They were helping me, so I don't know. <laughs> or they pulled something out of my arm. Maybe they were pulling something out of my arm to study it. Uh, but I haven't really seen a lot of ships. I have seen, um, you know, the standard shiny table that you lay on with a mm -hmm. um, with a coffee can uh, like round thing. It's about the size of a coffee can. It has two little knobs on either side of it. And they pull it down onto you with a big arm, um, and they suck things out of you. Um, but I haven't, you know, I, I think that, I mean, I, I think that I, they wake me up when the, I'm on the table. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then yeah. they um, knock me back out when they're done um, doing whatever. Um, so I can only see certain things, and my mind will show me the gist of the information, not, um, not everything, not a play-by-play. Mm -hmm. But uh, I do have seen quite a few um, surgery rooms, you know, like operating rooms. And a lot of times those are underwater. They look like it's kind of like a jelly uh, shape where it's sort of like not a jellyfish, but sort of round, 
but like clear but not but jelly like like mm-hmm. as if it's just floating in water um, so that's all I've seen and I haven't seen any while I'm wide awake I mean I kind of wish that I could see a UFO while I'm awake but on the other hand there's no way in hell I'm going to <laughs> call one you know by using CE5 or whatever <laughs> I don't want any part of that yeah um, because who knows who they are and um, so yeah. no I haven't I, you know I wish I could say that I have I must be the most unusual abductee because I've never seen a UFO but I'm sure you're not the first. <laughs> I hope There's not. There's got to be others. <laughs> Can you walk us through a little bit about your journey and how you started to fight back and what you did? Um, sure. Um, I, I was, you know, trying to learn everything I could because I felt like there was an answer that I was missing somewhere. And so I knew I wasn't the only one. I read everyone's accounts. I read people's other people's books who were abductees. And then I also tried like I said I tried everything so I left no stone unturned Uh, but one of the things that my medium really thought I needed was to learn how to do hands-on healing you know Reiki I actually use one called Laho Chi and that's in my book the information Mm -hmm. and I really got into it and I'm kind of an all-in person you know I don't um, you know if I like something I buy everything yeah that has to do with it and so I took a couple of uh, healing classes. One is called uh, Angelic Healing, and that's an actual class that you can take. And then there's La Ho Chi. Um, I took La Ho Chi, and I really liked it so much. And then I started, you know, being all in and crazy in type A and started looking on Amazon for other healing books. I mean, what other healing modalities are there that might interest me? Mm-hmm. And I found a book by uh, Stuart Swerdlow called Healing Symbols and Archetypes something like that it's in my book and um and i also thought well i'll just buy all of his books i mean he has a healing book just buy them all so i bought them all and then i read them some at first they were extremely esoteric to me uh because it was a different way of thinking you know and so i thought no got to put this back on the shelf i mean he has a very large healing handbook which i picked up and it has a million ways to heal yourself so I tried some of those, some of them worked, some of them didn't work so well for me. And then I just thought, you know, this, some of this stuff is so over my head that I'm going to have to put it aside. And uh, so I did. And it was right around that time, I mean a year later maybe, while I was meditating with my um, spirit guide. And that's when I found out about the ETs. Um, when I was looking for help, I kept asking for help and asking for help and asking for help. And they said, well, don't forget about these books, these healing archetypes and symbols book. You should read it now. And I read it, and it made perfect sense. It was the strangest thing. Um, Mm. And I started using it to, at first I just started using it sort of cursorily, you know, like, um, you know, like, oh, let me try to figure out if I can use some of these symbols to help me in my regular life, and let me figure out what I would use this for. Fertility? No, I'm not going to use that one. Um, And so I just really just started writing down in my journal the things that I did, the things that I didn't do. And um, then I started applying it to my situation with ETs. And once I did that, it was just like a big cave opened up because I found that I could utilize some of the exercises that Stuart Swerdlow has. He has another book called Hyperspace Helper 
and then the hyperspace helper. And actually, all of the, the symbols that I used and the uh, exercises that I used are actually in my book. But you can buy Stuart Swordlow's book too. Um, figure it out yourself. Um, I just started applying some of his exercises to um, using them against the ETs, and it really worked. And so, because of that, I thought I, you know, I, I I kept using it and using it and using it. And I didn't use the exact way that Stuart wrote in his book, but I used my own way to figure out how to get rid of these ETs. And uh, it really helped me so much that that's one of the reasons why I decided to write the book. Because I thought nobody has come up with a unique way to use this book to fight off ETs. Why don't I do it? Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons I did it. But, um, you know, it was just one of those things where you think, wow. This is helping me so much, and uh, the medium didn't like it because it wasn't her idea. That's what I think. Um, she wanted me to stay within her teachings, and I want I, her teachings weren't helping me. I really needed something else, mm-hmm. so I went to her to tell her about it. She wasn't too happy, and then I stopped going to her. But prior to that, uh, she had an angelic message night, and I got the message that I was la- leveling the playing field. And when mm-hmm. I got that message, I realized this is really working. Mm-hmm. This isn't my imagination. It's really working. So once I got that and then I got the negative uh, negativity from my medium, I stopped going to her and I just started using it all the time. And I started using it in, versus a trial and error way. Um, and that's what you have to do. So in my book, I, I give a detailed roadmap of how I used it, and what I did and what I didn't do. And I tried to give as much information as possible. But one of the problems with uh, using these methods is that the ETs will try to stop you. And so they'll use stuff against you while you, you know, so what you need to do is write everything down and just try everything. And um, you can reinvent the wheel, but or you can follow my roadmap and then learn as you go, because mm-hmm. don't give up. Just keep going and eventually get rid of them. I've gotten rid of all of my ETs and I'm very happy. Good. I found it interesting that you were using remote viewing and crystals like Moldavite, and I'd never heard of Moldavite before, if I'm pronouncing it right. So I had to research it a little bit more and uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's a meteorite. I think it's beautiful. And um, yeah, I, I just thought it was interesting. I hadn't heard a lot of those either. I guess I ran across it somehow in my uh, internet searches and heard about it or heard about it from a friend because mm-hmm. I found that a lot of ET abductees are rock hounds. That's what I think is so interesting. Huh. Uh, or people involved in the paranormal are all rock people. Yeah, and me. so <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, I put that in there for the people who aren't, but, uh, you know, I put a lot of stuff in there about clearing stones and, you know, that kind of thing. But, yeah, those are, I think, all my people. Um, I think it's just really interesting that I would be, you know, felt, like, drawn to some of these rocks, and Mm -hmm. they always ultimately help me. But, yeah, I, I do love rocks and have my whole life. And it makes me wonder, I mean... If these some of these things were happening when I was younger too, did that um, shape my choices or my interests, hmm. the rocks, or was it part of my history? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I'm particularly drawn to selenite and um, hematite. Those are the oh. ones, the two that I'm very drawn to. You know, hematite obviously for grounding, and uh, selenite for uh, negativity and uh, negative energy. 
which helps to also charge and cleanse others, other uh, other rocks. So uh, those are, those are my two favorites. Yeah, that's funny. My one of my favorites is well, I love uh, rutilated quartz. Mm-hmm. It's one of my all-time favorites. But um, I really I like hematite and I like sandstone together with hematite. Oh. I think it's beautiful and mm. you know a beautiful combination. Mm-hmm. Wow. I just had a thought. I remember there was a part of the book that I found funny, and I can't remember something about uh, magnets and their oh, yeah. <laughs> irritating the ETs. I, refresh my memory. I can't remember. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I had some rare earth magnets, and I thought, hey, you know, I I don't know what's inside of me because obviously a praying mantis showed up and uh, you know <laughs> took out a either took out or replaced a. Um, implant hey you know what i should do i should just um rub this rare earth magnet all over my body and see if it does anything Mm -hmm. i mean that was another one of those you know i have nothing to lose kind of things Mm -hmm. uh, to see what happened and that's why what you have to do you have to be kind of like a detective you know don't let anything set you back um if you have a weird story um you know write it down in your journal i mean decide if you're going to put it in your book um but you know these are things that we're just trying. We don't know if it'll work. We don't know if it won't work mm-hmm. in our situation. So why not try it? You have nothing to lose. Well, like you said, it's all—it's a lot of trial and error because what might work for one abductee might not work for another. Exactly. But mm-hmm. you know what? When you were using the tools that I found by Stuart Swordlow, uh, in the way that I tell you to do it, um, you know, invent your your own ways. I mean, mm-hmm. if you. That's the, that's how you learn and grow. Um, you don't have to do what I did, but you know you can, and then go from there. Because I gave you a jumping-off point, not to you know put you in a certain structure, but just get you started. Yeah. You know, and so trial and error is the way to go for your situation. I don't know who's taking you or what they're doing or anything. All mm-hmm. I know is you know that's what happened to me, and that helped me a lot. Do you know if anybody in your family, past or, you know, anyone at all in your family, if they were abductees as well? Because you usually hear about that, that it's a generational thing. Yeah, um, I I do think that my dad was, or he saw something, I know it. He hated, uh, I didn't know this until when he was almost passed, but he hated science fiction. He wouldn't watch it, he wouldn't read it, he just... And it made Mm -hmm. me wonder, you know to have such a strong reaction about it, what happened to him mm-hmm. that he, you know, has that strong reaction. Um, the other thing too, and I wonder about this, and I don't know if it's true, but my grandmother had a psychic gift, and I wondered too if that was because a lot of ET abductees have psychic gifts, and it's from their interaction with ETs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all of those people are deceased now, so I have no idea. Plus, it depends on the um, generation of the people. Mm-hmm. So, do they talk about that kind of thing? I mean, right. So that's another thing. I did try to talk to my mom about being a medium before she passed away, and she was very uninterested in discussing anything about it. Um, huh. So she was very religious. So, you know, I don't know. I wish hmm. she would have been more open with me, but you know, it could be that she didn't know anything or couldn't remember anything. Mm-hmm. So, or like you said, it's a generational thing because even. Even only 20 years ago, people, it was taboo. They didn't want to talk about paranormal and uh, ETs and cryptids and all that thing. You just didn't talk about it. No, no. Or if you had any abilities, you know, you kept that to yourself. That's right. 
Hmm. So, you know, that's what I think. And um, I wish I wish we could have talked about it more, but we just can't because of the generation, mm-hmm. you know. It's nice to know that this generation now, um, people are a little more open about it and they're starting to talk about it. And you're hearing more and more of people saying, yeah, I've encountered that too, you know. Uh, so yeah. it's, and it's more, and it's every walk of life. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or what what faith you are. It's things are happening to people around the world, you know, and it really makes you think. Yeah, it really does. I mean, um, especially now, finally, with the government admitting that yep. you know things are are actually happening, and I hope they atone for their horrible treatment of all the people that you know they were ridiculed and made mm-hmm. them feel like they were crazy or put them in a loony bin or whatever. Um, but you know, for them to do that, it makes me wonder what's really going to happen, because they were forced into it, and they could only come up with 143, you know, flying objects that they couldn't uh, identify, and so you know that's just the tip of the iceberg. There must be more they can't identify. They're just saying that just to to give us a little bit of information to uh, to, um, yeah. to satisfy people that yeah they're admitting now. Yeah, but, I yeah. Know, but I also think it's they're trying to control the narrative, mm-hmm. you know, of, yep. you know, so I don't, we don't know what they're really controlling the narrative of, but, you know, they're trying to say, we said it first, and mm-hmm. I'm finding it interesting that there's so many foreign countries that have, are much more open, and mm-hmm. they're showing uh, a lot more things on the news. Now, we don't often see it, we have to really dig, but yep. it's there, it's mm-hmm. really there, so... I'm uh, actually, and yeah, I think a lot of the newer generations really talk about things that we would never talk about, you know, as our generation, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So I think it's really interesting. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what else happens mm-hmm. uh, with that. And I hope we actually get some answers. I hope we don't feel bad knowing it. Cause one of the problems with, um, you know, being so angry and uh, wanting to know the truth is that you, Sometimes the truth is not what it's cracked up to be, but um, you have to be mentally prepared for the truth. So, mm-hmm. and you know that's why I think fighting uh, is good because it gives you the strength to move forward even if you find something out that you don't like. <laughs> yes, yes, like you said, the 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 anger gives you the strength to move on. You know the so I sometimes anger is a good thing. Yes, anger has helped me quite a lot in my life, um, you know, uh, so sometimes you just need that extra motivation, you know, yep. to put, propel you forward. Because <clears throat> change is hard, you know, when you accept, it accept things that are not the same as it, you thought they were. And I think that's one of the biggest hurdles uh, that I faced when I found out about this, because, you know, my little safe haven wasn't what I thought. And mm-hmm. I think that's the worst part is that realization that you really can't, um, you know, believe. You know, here you have, you know, this kind of like little bubble and now you're like, oh my gosh, that's what really happened, you know? Mm-hmm. So it is hard. It is a hard thing and it's very scary. So anyone going through it, um, you know, you're not alone. We are all scared. And, um, but um, it depends, you know, on whether or not you really want to know the truth. Yep. Or, you know, learn some stuff, take a break. <laughs> learn some other stuff, take a break. Or, you know, just decide that you just really don't want to know it. I mean, I think that's what a lot of people do because they can't stop it. They can't control it. 
Sometimes people feel that if they don't know, it didn't happen, and it's just easier for them to, to deal with that. Um, right. Whether that's a good yeah. method or not, that's just how it is. Yeah, and there's also, you know, this our, our society is so go, 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 especially in the U.S., uh, that, um, you know, maybe they don't have time to deal with it. Yeah. You know, you only have so much time in the day, and do you want to devote any time to that? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Well, before we sign off, do you have any um, advice for anyone who might be going through this and, and want to fight back? Um, well, you know, uh, I would say that um, read a lot of other people's, um, you know, accounts because you never know what little nugget's going to be in a book that uh, speaks to you, you know, resonates with you. That happened to me. I mean, that's what I've done. And that is very, very helpful. Get my book. Try out some of these things. Now, if they don't um, work for you, then continue, you know, searching. Um, but I, you know, also it's really helpful to uh, become a remote viewer. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I've tried without success a couple of times trying to be a remote viewer, but remote viewing can really help you. Now, in my book, I call it remote viewing my own mind, and I use this exercise to do it, and that's very helpful. But you can also do a remote view to the future, you know, or to the past. The remote viewing is a great skill, and not many people know about it. So they definitely should try it out. And um, yeah, keep up, keep your chin up. It's gonna get better. You're gonna learn some things and um, yeah, you'll be okay. That's great. Um, I will be adding links to the show notes so people can just click, but uh, can you tell people where they can find you? Yes, you can find and me your book. at abductedandfurious at yahoo.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my email address. Uh, my uh, website is lisoharaonline.com. And uh, my book is on Amazon. And uh, there's a link on my book to go to Amazon, or on my website to go to Amazon. I have it in Kindle and also in paperback. Um, that's all I can think of. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, oh, I have great. a group called uh, Faith Abducted and Furious. And uh, also, uh, I have a page, uh, abduct, Abducted and Furious. My group is called Abducted and Furious with Lisa O'Hara. And it's just a group of people who, you know, are have similar experiences. And you can talk about them and also, you know, talk, about, talk to others, to other like-minded people. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so happy that you are a brave, strong lady. Um, I'm thankful that you've written the book, although it's not something that I can relate to, but um, so many peop- other people can, so I think this is a good stepping stone for people who uh, think they might be going crazy or whatever, or feeling alone. This is really going to help them. So thank you very much for talking about your experiences. Well, thank you for having me, and I agree with you. I think it's really hard to find people with negative experiences. I mean, the... Um, it seems like the majority of people have positive experiences, mm-hmm. and I had a hard time finding people like me. And so um, I hope I can reach you and you can experience success with my book and that you, um, you know, continue searching uh, for answers and that you um, don't feel alone now. Because, you know, people who, when I actually I got 
what happened was I was reading Terry Lovelace's book, Incident at Devil's Den, and I realized, oh my gosh, this is one of my people. And that made me feel so much better. Because when you realize that you, your very strange experiences don't set you apart, you're one of a group, I mean, I found that comforting. Um, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to write my book. Uh, is like, you're not alone, you're not crazy, this is really happening to you. And especially if you have a hu husband or a significant other that doesn't believe you, um, it's really hard. It's hard to live in that position. It's hard for them too, because now they have a person that they didn't realize was their wife or, you know, or their significant other. Mm -hmm. So they have a hard time too. But you do too, because you don't, you can't talk about this with anyone. And it's just really hard. It's a hard thing to go through. So um, I just wanted people to know that I found a solution to my problem. It might help them and uh, that they're not alone and that we can figure this out. That's great. And uh, I really enjoyed your book, so thank you again. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. We appreciate being on your show. Just hang tight. I'm just going to, uh, we'll chat for a couple of minutes after I, I stop recording, but uh, thanks again. And everyone, uh, if you think you've gone through anything like this or know someone or suspect someone, uh, reach out because like Lisa said, she's, you're not alone. It's, uh, there is a support network out there and you just have to find it and uh, keep fighting. So thanks again. Yep. Thank you. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments, just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to PurplePlanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants. 